Serving God will always take courage. Do what God wants you to do. You know what? You will never know what God can do in your life, through your life, until you step out in faith. You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Everybody read this. Victorious faith brings victorious living. Now, why is this important? You know, I've discovered many of us live defeated lives. You know the Lord, but you don't have joy. You don't have peace. Your life is like in the desert. In Tagalog, pabanjing, banjing na lang. Okay? You go through routines. You come to church out of duty. You pray, but there is no real connection with God. You don't really know what's going to happen to your life. I have good news for you. Victorious faith. I will teach you how to have real faith based on the story of Rahab. And the result will be victorious living. Now, let me ask you a question. What enters your mind when you think of the word faith? What is biblical faith? Are you ready? Biblical faith is putting your trust in who God is, His promises. Putting your faith, putting your trust in Jesus, who He is, His promises, on His character. It always has an object. Your faith is useless if the object is unreliable. It doesn't matter how big your faith is. Think about it. It doesn't matter how big your faith is if the object of your faith is totally unreliable. It's like a woman. She has great faith. She married a man. But that man is totally unreliable. Her faith will be shattered because the object of her faith is totally unreliable. And I'm asking you, it doesn't matter how big your faith is or how small. Just put it on the most reliable being in the universe, God. God is big, God is faithful, He's powerful, and you can trust Him. And that is the story of Rahab. Are we ready? All right. I want to share with you the four aspects of victorious faith from Rahab. Number one, her faith is centered on truth. Number two, her faith is courageous because her faith was real, centered on truth. It gives you courage. That's the evidence of true faith. And number three, her faith makes her concerned for others. And lastly, her faith is continuing. When I say continuing, it means enduring. It passed on to the next generation because it's real, it's genuine. All right? So let's begin. The Bible tells us, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Sittim, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. But right now, you have to understand, Jericho is the first city they will encounter. So they sent two spies, all right? Sending spies is not a sign of unbelief. A man of faith will also do his part. So Joshua was doing his part just to make sure. Not just to make sure, to find out how to attack the city. But if you ask me, humanly speaking, that is the purpose. Spies secretly from Sittim. 
Go view the land, especially Jericho. But in God's eyes, can I tell you the real purpose? God sent those two spies, not just to check out on Jericho, but to save Rahab. Those two men were sent there. Divinely, you may call it accidentally, they encountered a girl. What's the name of the girl? They went in and came into the house of a harlot. That word harlot has a double meaning. Innkeeper and a prostitute. But the New Testament explains clearly she was a prostitute. Not just an innkeeper. If you watch Western movies, you will see those girls in the inn, in the, like a hotel, you have all kinds of, you know, sex for sale. Okay. That kind of picture. But this girl, her name was Rahab. So they stayed there. Now, I want you to imagine Rahab, the prostitute. Why was this story included in the Bible? It is to let you know and let me know that God uses what? Everybody? Ordinary people. Even less than ordinary people. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you what is your past. You know, many times when I pray for people, when I hear their stories, I cry. Because it was, it, it's really horrible. I realize there are many people who are suffering today. Broken marriages, broken families, financial problems. And my heart goes out to them. My only comfort to protect me from going through depression is to believe that God is real. And I pray for them. And I surrender to them. And I surrender their problems to God. Because there are many, many of us. You may look happy on the outside, but I know in your life you are struggling. But I have good news for you. The good news is this. You don't have to be a harlot like Rahab forever. You don't have to live a miserable life forever. Is that good news? All right. Number one, your faith must be anchored on truth. Rahab was a pagan. Her background was Canaanite. And she was a liar. Do you know her past? I will tell you, she's an expert, lie, an expert in lying. Continue reading. It was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come tonight to search the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Apparently, the king knew. Stranger will first stay in this place. Maybe they are after sex or whatever. Next verse, look. The women, the woman, Rahab, had taken the two men and hid them. You, I want you to begin asking, why did she hide them? What was going on in her mind? She said, yes, the men came, but I did not know where they were from. It came about, it was time to shut the gate. And at dark, that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. Was she a good liar? Yes or no? 
Read the next verse. She had brought them up to the roof, hidden them in the stalks of, the, of flax, which she laid in order on the roof. The men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who were, who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, in between this incident, something happened. Let's look at the Bible. Continue. Before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, notice what she said, I know that the Lord, this should be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, okay? Yahweh has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted. What else does she know about God? Read the next verse. We have heard how the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of Amorites, Sihon and Og. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, when you read the entire Bible, you begin to see how God is at work. The miracle in Egypt to open the Red Sea for the people to cross over apparently was known throughout the land. It is a historical event. It is not just in the Bible. But the truth is this. You can hear testimonies. You can read the Bible in your head, but it does not affect your heart. Only the grace of God will do something in your heart. I have many friends, many people, they come here every Sunday. Or they go to other churches every week. Guess what happened? Nothing. Do you know there are some people who are growing up in Christian families? They know the Bible. But it's all in the head. Nothing happens. That's what you call dead faith. That is not victorious faith. Look at what she declared. For the Lord, again, is this capital or small letter? Capital, no? In my imagination, paramalite. Okay, so this is capital. Every time you have your Bible and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's referring to the name of God, Yahweh. Literally, it's Yahweh. It is so sacred that they don't translate it literally. So it's capital L-O-R-D. Look at her confession. The Lord your God. Look, everybody read. He is God in heaven, above, and on earth beneath. Apparently, by this time, Rahab was no longer a pagan. Somehow, in her heart, she knew that Yahweh the God of Israel is the God of heaven and on earth. Is that amazing, yes or no? How come of all the people, she was the only one who is believing that? Do you understand the meaning of grace? The grace of God, something we don't deserve. God's grace will touch your heart. If you have a hardened heart right now, if you are struggling with obedience, listen to me. If you are struggling with God, you are fighting with God. There's only one solution. 
Look at me. The only solution is you get on your knees and you humble yourself before God and you humble yourself and you tell God, Lord, something is wrong with me. I don't have a heart for you. Will you change my heart? I guarantee you, if you pray sincerely, God will change your heart. So Rahab was touched by the Lord and she decided God is the real God. She placed her faith. It's called anchored, centered on truth. Let me ask you, what is the basis of your faith? Why do you believe what you believe? What are you believing? Can I tell you an example of what people believe in today? The basis of their faith. For example, today, people okay, base their faith on tradition. It has always been done this way. Ito pong religion ko. I was born with this religion. I will die with this religion. Their minds are closed. Some people place their faith on feelings. Feeling. Okay, I better stop singing. Okay, that's not my gift. But you know, many people decide things based on feeling. I don't feel like it. This is what makes me happy. So this is the right thing to do. Your feeling must submit itself. Your emotion must be subservient to the truth. And then the feeling will follow. But it is never feeling first to determine what is true. For some people, popular opinion. Everyone is doing it. It's very sad today when we are, le- when we are lied to by media, by society, by famous people, and you think what they believe in is the right thing. Because everybody is saying it. You know what the Bible tells us about truth? You'll be amazed at Psalm 119. Everybody read this verse. The sum of your word is truth. So, my faith is anchored on truth, the word of God. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Once you are convinced the Bible, the Word of God, is accurate, it is true, based on archaeology, believe it or not, internal evidence, external evidence, understand? Based on history, based on Israel, based on the Dead Sea Scroll, there are many evidences. Then you will decide for yourself, now I believe. Number two, her faith is courageous. You know why? The evidence of true faith will now require action. That's why she was willing, everybody look, did she risk her life? By hiding the spies, did she risk her life? Was she courageous in doing that? You know why? Real faith is courageous. What do we mean by courageous faith? You see, a man is justified by works, huh? And not by faith alone. Wow, Peter, is that heresy? In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. 
For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. The Bible is not contradicting itself. The Bible is now describing to us what is real faith versus dead faith. Real faith will have action. Real faith is not all in the head. And that's what the book of James is all about. The Bible says, for by grace we are saved through faith. Except many people abuse that faith. I believe, I believe. How do you know you believe? The evidence of faith is transformed lives. The evidence of faith is changed behavior. If you have no change, no action, the Bible is saying your faith, everybody read, faith without works is dead. So the Bible is not against saving faith. The Bible is just saying, make sure your faith is real. So in this room, and all of us who, and all of you who are watching us in TV, in YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I want you to examine your own faith. Number one is your faith centered on truth, who God is. Number two is your faith real, courageous. You see, real faith is courageous. Do you know every time you follow God, it takes courage? Let me give you an example. Those of you who are in business, to pay taxes properly takes courage. Because many people fear, what will happen to me? Takes faith. To be honest takes faith. When you make those steps, it's not always easy. I remember years ago when CCF was beginning, there was a girl who was living in with a married man for the simple reason because he was the sugar daddy. Have you heard of that term, sugar daddy? Because how will she earn a living? But she came and came to know Jesus, and she knew that was wrong. So she made a tough decision. Remember, faith is courageous. Of course, there is fear. It's never the absence of fear, but your courage transcends your fear. You know her fear? Who will take care of my children? Who will take care of me? Would you believe it? God bless her. She was able to put up her own company, Manpower Export. And then she put up a security agency. But she will never experience this if she did not give up everything for the Lord. You see, when you are desperate, God gives you ideas. That's the time grace kicks in. So some of you, you need to ask yourself, what kind of faith do I have? Real faith? Centered on Christ? Centered on truth? Courageous? Some of you, God is telling you now, start a new group. You should start a small group. You should start serving me. And you know what you're doing? You're still sitting in your chair. You know what? You're afraid. You're afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Serving God will always take courage. Do what God wants you to do. You know what? You will never know what God can do in your life, through your life, until you step out in faith. Amen? Okay, here's my promise for you from the Bible. In Psalm, the Bible tells us, everybody read this, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. 
In God, whose word I praise, in God I put my trust, I shall not be afraid. In other words, when I'm afraid, <laughs> the meaning of this is it's normal to be afraid from time to time. Every time you're afraid, it's a call to prayer. When I am afraid, what will you do? I will now change my mindset. I will put my trust in you. Third point. Mabilis is third point. You know why? Third point is concern for others. You know, her faith was so real. She was concerned for others. Look at what the Bible tells us. Look at her victorious faith. Okay? Victorious faith. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with me, my father's household. Give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. She was concerned for her family. Do you realize Rahab was single? She has no husband. So she just said, will you save my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all belong to them? A concern for others. Do you have concern for others? Yes or no? You know, I was surprised at the way the Apostle Paul shows concern. To show concern for others, I have two suggestions. Number one, what's your life? Make sure you honor God. Number two, you witness with your mouth. But start with your life and then with your mouth. What's the use of talking about Jesus when you live like the devil? Okay? So, today, I want you to be concerned with your loved ones by reaching out to them. How do you reach out to them? Watch your life. Pray for them. Share the gospel with them. What is victorious faith? Simple. What is the first C? Centered on truth. Next C, courageous. Tunay, huh? Tunay. With action. Number three, concern for others. And lastly, continuing. I really did not like the word continuing. I like the word enduring. But, you know, for the sake of you who are like me, bad memory. So, C, 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 C. Enduring faith. What is enduring faith? Believe it or not, if you read the whole story, okay, let's read it quickly, okay? So the man said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, so they made a covenant with each other, it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Continue. She let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall so that she was living on the wall. You must... Have your own imagination now. The wall of Jericho, many scholars, archaeologists tell us, 15 wide, 15 feet wide. It's a double wall. So they live in between the walls. She said to them, go to the hill country. The pursuers will not happen upon you, blah, 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 blah. Next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Now, this is important. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath which we have given you unless when we come into the land... You tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and, everybody read, gather for yourself into the house your father, your mother, and your brothers, 
and all your father's household. What's the condition? You tie this scarlet cord. Now, when you read the Bible superficially, you don't see the implication of the scarlet cord. The scarlet cord is symbolic. Throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you see the blood of Jesus sprinkled throughout the Bible. Why is it colored red? Why? It's symbolic. It's like a prophecy of what Christ will do for us. You tie this scarlet cord. Why? Let me tell you why. They say, let's continue reading. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head if you are not in the house, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid upon him. Continue reading. If you tell this business of ours, we shall be free from this oath which you have made us swear. Remember, continuing faith, enduring faith, is obedient faith, okay? She listened. She said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them away, and they departed. Everybody read. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. Look at the condition of salvation. You put this rope on the window so we know where you are, and all your family must be in that place. You know what this reminds me of? Exodus. Passover. Look at Exodus, chapter 12. The Lord will pass through to kill the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel, on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. The only way to be saved from the judgment of God in the land of Egypt is to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. But you must stay inside the house. This is very clear. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. In other words, God is saying when he sees the blood of Jesus over your life, you will not be judged or condemned for damnation. My salvation is anchored on the promise of God through Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to Rahab. When the people of Israel attacked the city of Jericho, you know what happened? Let me show you. The Bible tells us Rahab, the harlot, and her father's household, and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. Rahab survived when everybody else died. People, you need to understand now, the only way you will survive the coming judgment is when you are in the blood of Jesus, when you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know what's most amazing? Rahab was mentioned three times in the New Testament. The third time is this. She became the ancestor of Jesus. Ah, are you aware of that? Look at Matthew. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham. 
How in the world did God do this to show you and to show me that nobody is so bad that the grace of God cannot rehabilitate? Look at Rahab. Rahab was the father of Boaz by Rahab. In other words, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab intermarried. And he, she produced a guy by the name of Boaz, father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David. In other words, Rahab was one of the ancestors, great-great-great-grandmother of who? Jesus. Now, can you ever ask yourself, why did God choose a prostitute? That, to me, is the amazing thing about the grace of God. All of you can be used by God. No one is so bad that is beyond hope. You're only if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to change. Are you willing to change for a new beginning? Let's bow our heads and pray. As your heads are bowed down, if God has spoken to you and you are willing to change like Rahab, you are willing to transfer your faith from other gods, from yourself to Jesus. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand? Praise God. You see, today can be your new beginning. Higher. And those of you who raised your hands, I want you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Lord Jesus, I realize my faith is misplaced. I realize you are the Savior. I realize no matter what is my past, I can have a new beginning. So Jesus, today, I place my trust in you. Lord Jesus, I invite you today as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you my past. I surrender to you my failures. And today is my new day. Help me to walk with you. Help me to follow you. From this day onward, Lord, I want my faith to be real, centered on truth. I want my faith to have evidence, courageous, and help me to be concerned for others. And help my faith to be passed on to the next generation. Lord, I pray that my children will have the same faith. And my children's children will have the same faith. That my faith will be enduring. It will continue. Only by grace can that be accomplished. So I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.